and welcome to the latest edition of the world's greatest online magazine presents the half baked podcast your beloved Wagumpa. thank you very much for having us into your home and your ears and your and that and really, cavities. that that's oh, we're off to a great start <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh welcome i hope everyone had a uh great uh thanksgiving now we did have about I, I did have about twenty minutes scheduled for sandwiches made out of Thanksgiving leftovers, but uh, uh, you know we, we've got some we got some things to attend to, so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to save that for the next uh, for the next episode. It's an emergency. It is a purely <laughs> an emergency. Uh, there's lots of things to talk about today. Um, let's see. There was uh, what whatever the Vikings did tonight. That was something. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Also, uh, I, I saw there was something about um, some listeners might appreciate or at least understand this. Something about a CM Punk coming back to some form of wrestling. I, I remember seeing a tweet lately that you know wrestling Twitter is basically you know some guy saying, "Oh, it's happening," and it's just a picture of a bow-legged guy in a white T-shirt. It's about that's about the extent of it. Yeah, that that is the extent of my understanding. Okay, and there are a few other housekeeping matters uh, to attend to. Let's do a quick fantasy update. Hey, they're friends. I think you know it's fantasy time again. It's time to follow all those stats and figure out who got the most (laughs) at-bats. Hey, remember all those players, ones that hit well? Had lots of layers in their hair. The ones with the pretty hair. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Noah Syndergaard. He has really nice hair. Had he pitches fast and he looks like a bear. A little bit if you think about it. Don't think about it too much though. Yeah. And we want to congratulate Ben for being the winner of the half-baked league in baseball this year. It was a uh... An interesting year where Pete's quality team <laughs> managed to stay stay close to the top for a quite quite a good part of the season. You know, there were many more weeks of the season than moves on the team, so I guess he just had the magic touch from the beginning. He's the Cleveland Guardians of the fantasy league. I guess so. I guess so. But I I did my best uh, White Sox impression and finished second to last. So Oof. what are you gonna do? So anyway, oh, what's that? That's uh oh it's still going. Okay, that 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 is a some sort of news alert. By the sound of it I'm guessing it's hockey related. Ah, I'm getting this across my desk now. Yes, the Wild have relieved Dean Evison and also assistant coach Bob Woods of their duties. Uh this follows a seven game losing streak. <laughs> and uh yes, apparently uh a something called Giant Hines will be taking over. John Hines, excuse me. Um, so we are going to take a look at that. We're gonna we're gonna take a few steps back first, see the big picture, and then we're gonna focus in on this breaking news. So yes, oh, I should say by the way, we have our good friends DG and DK here with us today. Hi, hello. Peace, peace <laughs> signs always great for the podcast. Listen, <laughs> probably heard me already. We can hear the peace sign too. That's right. Uh, it's peaceful. It is. It is. Well, it's not uh, in the Wilds coaching roster. Uh, yeah. Okay. 
anyway, anyway, as mentioned, let's let's sit back a little bit. Why don't we basically kind of sum up the off season here and where were the Wild when they started their first uh, their first full season game this year? Yeah, they were just coming off two hundred point seasons, so that was good. But they still had the Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi buyouts that were taking Hanging up their neck. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of their payrolls. So that was bad. Uh, real quickly, uh, real quickly. About how much longer do we have that uh, albatross around our neck? It's, I believe, next year is the the last year of the really big numbers, and then the year after that, they go down to less than a million each. And so then they have like three years of like a million dollar payout to all of them, which is not significant. But that's down from fifteen yeah. million this year. So in cap, yeah, in cap hit terms, it's much much less onerous yes. after next year for sure. That's like one Brandon Duhame, right? Um, we have two two of them, or Zach Bogosian. No, who's the Bogosian who's on the team this Zach, year? Zach Bogosian. Zach Bogosian. Character yeah. actor Eric Bogosian. What? Well, <laughs> I wish they. I wish they had character actor Eric Bogosian. Uh, He's tall. I bet you he can probably skate faster. Yeah, yeah, he can yeah, probably yeah. skate faster than Zach <laughs> Sorry, sorry, yes. Zach, if you're listening. Yes. So the the buyouts are right now as painful as they're going to get. This is the smallest salary cap and the biggest buyout number or the biggest cap penalty that we're going to have. So, like all of that is kind of this was never going to be. We're never going to be a juggernaut this year. We just you don't have enough money to pay any third line people. So I don't know, like, I think you look at, you have Kirill Kaprizov, that's good, but you know, you don't have a lot of other proven scoring. So that's bad. You have the Gus bus, which also, we we're hoping would be good. But also have a, yeah. You have a goalie who had a good season last year. Yep. That's good. Yep. Goalie had a He's good having season a last terrible year. season this year. Yeah. That's bad. That's bad. <laughs> right. So I think, this is starting off like a spooky milk survivor story. It's starting off like that classic Simpsons sketch. With Fortunately, the, uh, unfortunately, right? The cursed sprinkles. Yes. Yeah. So, and then everything went went bad. Everything has gone bad for them since they started. They um, their goaltending has been atrocious. Their penalty kill has been worse than it was in the Dallas playoff series last year. And oh, so like, isn't like isn't it like historically bad right now? Yes. Oh, it's it's like sixty something percent. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. So yeah, sixty six point six seven percent, which I believe is about two thirds of the penalties they're killing. So better than half. Hey, uh, essentially a one in three chance of scoring any time they take a penalty. I mean, the other team scoring. Yeah. The glass is two thirds full. That is. That's right. Very bad. Yeah, I mean, so much of so. I don't know if we're jumping to Dean Evison at this point, but so much of NHL coaching is instructing your goalies to stop the puck. Um, right. And Seems he hasn't done it. He hasn't done a good job of that and this year. If they don't do that, you're coaching badly, right? Yeah. yeah. And then you're then you're done. If you don't have a goalie who can stop the puck, you really can't win games. And they they just don't. So, not to make it too simple, but that's that's what it is. Another factor uh, you you brought it up a little bit. Um, what is going off with Kaprizov this year? Um, okay, so ESPN Plus hiked their prices. <laughs> Uh, quite a bit, <laughs> so, and I decided it wasn't worth it. So I don't really know. Okay, um, I know that Russo thinks he's hurt. Yeah, there's there's a lot of speculation that he's that. I mean, it may be a, a thing that's lingered since last year, or it may be a more recent thing. But he, but there's a lot been a lot of speculation that he 
has not been playing at full, yeah, full physical health. And one one aspect of that is I think people have have done the the anal- the analytics on this, um, <laughs> but he's he's doing things like going to the net. You know, getting into getting high danger type chances, taking high danger chances, etc. He's doing that at a much lower rate than he's done in the past, and consequently, he's scoring goals at a much lower rate than he has in the past. So it's yeah, he's been he's his production has been way down, and his play style has probably been a big factor in why that is. Right. Yeah, and he is ten percent of the Wilds' payroll as well. So, um, right. yeah. which yeah, their their roster, their roster payroll. I mean, their roster payroll is already hamstrung, and and the rest of it is structured such that he has to be, he has to produce at an extremely high level because they right. can't function as an, as a team without a lot of production from him. Yeah, the offense, the offense goes through him. That was always if it's the past two years is very been very funny to kind of watch the Wilds breakout because their breakout when Kaprizov is on the ice is pass to Kirill and then everybody like meet him in the offensive zone once he skates through the, the neutral zone and if he can't do that like they just yeah Dean Dean is not a systems guy it doesn't seem like yeah. so they don't really have a they're not going to break down teams with their with their great play so yeah I don't know so I mean it's been a mess but like I said, like it's just been everything has gone wrong. These things happen, right? Your your star player has a ten game, twenty game skid, and like he had this in previous years where he didn't score for a long time as well. And yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think I think if you look at Dean specifically and you say, well, yeah, if you you, you have a few major factors in why you're playing way worse this year than you were before, Kirill is one, goaltending is one. I think the defensive. I think the the play of the defensive core has been very bad relative to the past couple years too. Some of that is, is I think, I think, I think we missed one guy a little more than some people thought we would, but also some some other people, that guy is Matt Dumba. Sorry, listeners. Yes. I've been nodding along furiously this entire time. I knew DG knew exactly what I'm talking about, (laughs) but, uh, and, and Spurgeon was hurt for a while. He isn't hurt. He's back now, but he was hurt for, for multiple weeks at the start of the season. And without him, the, I mean, there was like, the defense was all over the place in wrong positions. And again, some of that, some of that you can put on Dean, I think especially, yeah, like saying, well, Kirill is worse and the goaltending is worse. Hard to say that, well, coach those guys better, Dean. But, you know, things like, like, like someone has to kind of be accountable for how bad the penalty kill is, right? Like that, yes. that has to and, be fixed. And it's been, it's been bad since he started. Like right. the penalty, their special teams has just never been good. They've always been a five, always. In recent history, the Wild have always been a five-on-five five team. They're going right. to grind you down five-on-five, five, and they're going to beat you. They're not going to give you any chances five-on-five because five, they have Spurgeon, they have Dumba, they have Brodeen. And they have Suter. Like, those guys, that's what they did. It wasn't that they were these offensive, you know, power play guys. It was that they could not get chances against the Wild, and so they would just tilt the ice the other direction. Right. And now they can't do that. Right. Because they don't have those guys anymore. While we're at this point, why don't we just kind of do a a brief postmortem on Dean Evison himself as a coach, well, at least with the Minnesota Wild. What – what were some of his better qualities and what were things, uh, like you said, they're five on five team, maybe not a special teams. What are things that he was lacking? And 
kind of, I mean, it's a little bit obvious, but how did that lead to his demise? The best thing about Dean Evison was him beating up Darby Hendrickson every time yeah, they won. Was, I was about to say, you just reminded yeah. me, I was like, who is going to punch <laughs> Darby Hendrickson in the chest now? Right, right. Maybe, so, they, maybe they can get a bench coach to or something, but uh, yeah, that, that is going to be one yeah. quality we will be missing, I'm guessing. Yeah, I don't really know. I think Dean did a reasonably good job of keeping veterans invested and yeah. playing hard for him. That was what I, I think was that was really yeah. the thing that he I, did well. I think Dean's best qualities were intangibles like that, yeah. you know, especially, especially the veteran standpoint. Yeah. yeah. I think he's a very good veterans coach. He, I think there's some argument that he's not a great young players coach, um, but I think he's a, he was a strong, when, when things were going well, he was very good at keeping them going well, especially with the, with your, with your, it's with your established core of guys. Yeah. Right. And I think even sometimes when things wobbled, he was able to get Zuccarello and Dumba and those guys to, yep. you know, self-correct the team. Um, and then yep. Spurgeon and like all those guys, I think that yep. that was something that he really did well. And this year, like it just reached that critical mass where even when he, cause he, they talk about it. Like he did the closed door meetings. He did the stuff that's worked for him in the past. And yeah, it couldn't turn it around because Caprizov is hurt and, you know, Gustafson can't, Gustafson, Gustafson the Gus bus can't stop, uh, can't stop, can't stop the, the puck. And a like, beach ball. You just can't win games. And so no matter how good you are at getting your veterans invested, you can't win games if you can't do that. And so, right. and they're, they're terrible. Like the, they are third, third worst record in the NHL right now. They are, Four point. They have one more win than San Jose Sharks, who are historically bad. Like this is, they are an atrocious team so far this year. It's not like oh, they're going through a rough stretch. They've been, they've been really bad. Well, and the and the and the the part the the part that that I don't know how much we were going to get into, but the thing I want to, I mean, a lot of this roster is not that different than it was the past year. I mean, again, Matt Dumba is gone. Few other pieces have changed. A lot of it is the same guys, other than other than like a Dumba, and then you know you go back a couple of years and, and a Fiala, for instance, who was who was pretty his place was pretty much intended to be replaced by Matt Boldy, and then and the front office has given contracts between last year up to this point to a lot of the guys in the bottom, the mid to bottom part of the roster to give that have been extensions for multiple years to get to vet these veteran guys. Uh, Marcus Foligno, I mean John Merrill a while back, uh, Galagoski, Freddie Gaudreau, a lot of these guys who who it's, it's I mean they gave Zuccarello an extension mm-hmm. I think too yeah a lot yeah. of these guys and and again you know Kirill's performance has fallen off but a lot of these other guys could were foreseeable that they would fall off either at this point or very soon after this point and they all have no movement causes now so <laughs> they can't go anywhere yet. And that's, I think that's the one, like this year, if Bill Guerin had just waited six months on some of those extensions, if you're looking at this year and saying like, well, if we're top five draft pick, this is a good year to be a top five draft pick. Yeah. Um, they, there's some really good, like one, two, three level people in there, you know, prospects and stuff. You might look at getting, you know, you can dump a Marcus Felino because people are always going to look for something like that. Absolutely. But are, are we going to be able to do that now? You know, no, I, right. I don't, right. I would be surprised. And so like, you can look at tanking for a pick if, you know, sometimes a year doesn't go your way. And if you believe that Gustafson is going to rebound and that you still have a core that you can put together, 
I don't think that losing Marcus Foligno is going to damage your long-term plan, or at least right. it shouldn't, because right. you can find a Marcus Foligno. Yeah. You can find a Marcus Foligno of the past two years. Right. Marcus Foligno two or three years ago, when he was probably legitimately like top the two or three best defensive forwards in the in the league, right. that's a guy that you keep. But he's, but he's not, not been that for a while. He's not that guy anymore. Yeah. 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 So and so that's the and so for Bill Guerin right now the only button he can push I mean is to fire Dean Evison also right because he can't he can't you know the 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 cliche and and I'm sure everyone's heard this before right is you can't fire the players so you fire the coach right right it's especially true in this case because you can't even trade any of these players away right yep yeah regarding player development uh, Boldy's been having a really tough year too right he has yeah yeah Boldy seems to be more streaky than I hoped it would be. Yeah. I was just wondering if that played into, like you said, maybe, you know, his best qualities weren't his developments. Uh, I wonder if they're looking for somebody who could, you know, maybe, cause we do have some young players on the team and one's coming up. Uh, DK is right. giving me a look like we're going to be getting to that shortly. I think we will. I think we will get to that shortly. Yeah. yeah. Not sure how that will go either, but I'm, yeah, I'm not sure if I should take a shot at John Hines or if I should. Um, anyway, we'll wait on that. We'll wait we'll, on that we'll, for a moment. We'll, we're, we will get there. Yeah, but yeah. but yeah, as far as Matt Boldy goes, I think yeah, um, he hasn't he hasn't fully developed. I think in the way you would have wanted to see him, the level you would, the point you would want him to be at by now for sure. Right. And you know, and like TG said, you know, some players are streakier than I mean, Fiala was an extremely streaky player for the Wild, also. When he was on, he was super good, and then he would go into into funks that lasted, you know, multiple weeks. And and unfortunately, Boldy's been in one of those. I think he's played a little bit better very, very recently, but for a while there, he was in a, in extremely poor funk. And yeah, it's one of those things where it, I mean, he's not counted on quite to the level Kaprizov is, but probably like second most offensively, he is. Right. It's necessary to get some kind of engine from him for sure yeah. to be successful. And I think, and again, my viewing has been a little bit limited, but when Boldy is good, you see him like just come right through the middle of the ice, mm-hmm. right? And then he that he creates passes for himself, right? right. Or if they don't like collapse to him, then he has a, a pretty decent shot that he can um, that he can score from that middle of the ice. And then when he doesn't feel that. He just really doesn't attack the middle of the ice in the same way. So something I've noticed and like when I watch Boldy, it's pretty easy to tell when he's feeling himself and when he's just really, really tentative. And then when once he is, that just feeds into this kind of negative feedback loop. And I think that's part of why he's a little bit streaky is just because like once he gets into that, like, oh, if I take it to the middle of the ice, I'm going to lose it. It's going to be a turnover. Then he just doesn't create that space and he doesn't do the things that, that make him a dangerous player. So I think that's part of it. Yeah. Rossi's actually had a couple goals. I don't, he's been. Yeah, we should. Yeah. That's down, a good like always, but at least it's not the like absolute no points, no goals, no assists thing that he had last year. So I've been, I mean, for a 22 year old, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. He's now. taken, he's taken a nice step. I mean, he, he yep. looked un, un, unplayable last year. Yeah. Uh, he's been much, he's been probably, at least for a while, maybe, maybe not quite as much recently, but for a while, Rossi was probably the best forward on the, on the mm-hmm. entire team yeah. by a lot. And that's a really good, I mean, some of that is an indictment of other people, but some of it is, is a, is a true measure of the step forward he's taken. Right. So that has been absolutely positive. Yeah. 
and just to hit it one more time, like the the fact that there wasn't a place on this team for Matt Dumba still is just really dumb. Like yeah. I yeah, it was really Dumba. <laughs> there it is. There it is. But like I whatever. Yeah, I mean <laughs> the Wang Doodle is a big fan of Matt Dumba. We do, we love Matt Dumba at the yeah. like he he does his he is who he is. But man, like but he was who he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In in a good way, I think. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, but um, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm looking through the roster, seeing who else to talk about. Brock Faber. Yeah. Bro- oh, yeah. Brock Faber has been has been pretty good. Yeah, I was yeah. going to bring him up, like yeah. to, just to round out the young guys. Yeah. Like again, again, it's almost it's almost an indictment of other people, but Brock, but for a big stretch of the season, Brock Faber has been the best defenseman by a lot. Right. And so that is also encouraging. In, in one sense, and in, in the sense that he's a young guy that they, you want to be the, a piece on the next actually good wild team, hopefully right. not too far down the road. Yeah. I, I didn't realize how uh, old Goligoski was. Mm-hmm. It makes yeah. me happy oh to see God. that he's, he's still playing. Uh-huh. But <laughs> yeah. he's, he's Bill Guerin's friend. He's yeah. his buddy. They played so, together. The golf buddy, they, yeah. They played together in Pittsburgh, yeah. Kind of like somebody else that Bill Garrett resigned, who, to be fair, hasn't actually been. I mean, he hasn't been good either, but he, he actually hasn't been quite as bad as Gustafson. So, like, and also the NHL did him did him real dirty the other day. So I'm kind of like on Team Flower oh, yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that was that was unfortunate. Yeah. Okay, so yes, maybe you guys can to explain to me, John Hines. So, um, yeah, guys, uh, what you got? John Hines is a person who has coached NHL teams before. That's correct. Yeah. Oh, I, I believe you're referring to the Predators, right? Okay. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. That's right. Yeah. He coached the Predators the last, I mean, he was fired at the end of the last season. He coached yep. them for, I think, four seasons. Coached the New Jersey Devils for, I think, four seasons oh, or yeah. so before that. The rap on Hines, and I'm kind of half remembering what I've heard on other podcasts, so feel free to correct me if if you want. The rap on Hines is that it's, it's just not exciting hockey. It's right. just like the guy doesn't, the guy isn't really imaginative. He doesn't really inspire a lot. Um, when he coached the Devils, they were atrocious. Like, yeah. that's how the Devils ended up with, like, three great draft Super. picks in a row those were the john hines years because they were just awful all so the time you're saying you're saying he turned the franchise around it, you could you could look at it in a way yeah because the <laughs> devils are now very good yeah right right but that's that's the outcome of his tenure there i think with the predators they were a perfectly fine team but again they were kind of hampered yeah, that, by other things and those yeah, I those know. i mean those predators teams were like those the, the predators of the past four years have been the definition of mid well, but they have UC Saros and goals, so they can they can make the playoffs every year because they have right. all world. Goal That's players. right. They have they had UC Saros in goal. Who do we have in goal? Um, you're not gonna like it. Oof! Oh man, I was hoping Dominic Hasek was was walking <laughs> through those doors. Mid nineties Dominic Hasek is coming out, and my guess again, John Hines, personal friend of of our esteemed GM Bill Guerin, but um, sounds like he's got a lot of friends. He does have a lot of friends. They're all collecting in one particular city. I think I don't know. Like I I hope it's not anything more than the end of this year. Fill out this year, yeah. That yeah. would be that would be the hope, yeah. Because yeah, my expe- expectations for if yeah, if you want a big like yeah systemic turnaround, if you want a guy who is who is adept at developing young players, John Hines doesn't have either of those nope. track records. That's not that's not that man. 
Nope. Yeah. Was is there anyone in the in the wild coaching tree right now you would have preferred them to well, give a look just, at? They just fired Tim Army last year out of out of Iowa, and so like they, they kind of redid the whole Iowa coaching staff over mm-hmm. in the last off season. So even that's pretty. There's not a lot of established. Mm-hmm. I don't even know who's coaching yeah. Iowa this year. Yeah, I don't either. But it would be it would be very it would be strange to to pull that position right. up again with that being the case. Um, I think they were definitely. I mean, I mean, again, with it being Hines, it's very clear that it was going to be somebody who Garen knows well mm-hmm. himself. But I think I think in any case, if unless they were just doing an interim of one of the guys who were currently on the staff, uh, I think they'd have to be looking outside of outside of the house for this one, if they're going to get one guy to finish, even to finish the rest of the season. Yeah. I think Brett you... McLean is the Iowa Wild head coach. That's all I have to say about that. Very good. So, Very good. You know, the Oilers, the Oilers fired Jay Woodcroft a couple weeks ago. Well, so this was, this was going to be my joke is if you told me at the beginning of the season, the Wild would only be one point behind the Oilers after 20 games, I'd have taken it. But here we are, and I'm not right. very happy. Right. Yeah. Jeez. Speaking of just absolute atrocious starts to a season. Also atrocious goaltending. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's weird how that keeps happening. Yeah. Oh man. And again, you know, Jay Woodcroft got fired because again, he didn't tell the Edmonton yeah. goalies to stop more pucks. Right. That's Ryan Lambert's favorite quip is always, well, he should have told his goalie to stop more pucks. That's right. Whenever a coach gets fired. So I don't think it's going to be a playoff team. They still, I was reading the athletic this morning and they were talking about what the wild needs to do to get back in the playoff picture. And like, that's a tough, it's a tough way to go. I think they need, I, well, I, I think, I think Mike Russo did the, the, the points math, right? If, if to, they're, they're, they're seven points out of the, the eighth spot right now. That may not be true at the moment anymore. Although I don't know if the Kraken played tonight or not. So it may still be true, but but they were seven points out at least before the games today. But I think they so they would need I think they needed to 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 catch that like right at this point they would need something like what seventy plus points in their remaining games right. to like to match that pace of of the crack of, of just the Kraken to to sneak into the last spot and get annihilated by Vegas in the first right. round. Right. Yeah. It's just this this isn't a team that that's set up for that kind of success. Right. Unless unless we get another, but like last year we got what was it, fifty games of Flurry and Gustafson just standing on their head and yeah, if they totally flip it around, yeah. If they if they do that again, sure, why not? But yeah, I just it's not it's not likely to. I wouldn't hold out hope for that. Right. And I think that I have misgivings about Garen as a GM, but given what he's working with, I don't think it's fair to expect four playoff teams in four seasons of these like $12 million buyouts. Like that's, that's a huge ask for any GM. So I, I was going to ask, I was going to ask how far would this extend above Everson? Like Garen himself, does this, I mean, again, I mean, Garen is, I mean, like what, like I described, Garen has done some things I really, really don't like that he's, that he's done with his, with his extensions of, of his old guys. But at the same time, DG's absolutely right. I mean, the, the the choice he made to to buy those kind of, the big the big deals out which was at, which was necess- absolutely necessary performance wise in Parise's case and probably locker room wise 
from everything that has been said since in Suter's case, you know, that's, yeah. that's an ex- such an extreme handicap on an ability to construct a full roster that you still have to give him a lot of credit for even getting to the playoffs the past two years. Right. So uh, it's hard. It is, it, again, done some things I really don't like, but also really hard to judge him fully until after the dead money is, is right. alive again. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, that's that those two years post cap buyout penalty, whatever we're calling it, like that's going to be the thing, right? If Boldy and Rossi turn develop over these next two years and they're superstars at that point, or even just all-stars at that point, like that's a team that can, that can do some damage, right? As long as Brodeen and Spurgeon don't fall off a cliff. Right. Like there's always like everybody keeps getting older and all of that, that always happens. But, but uh, yeah, you can't really, I don't know that you can fire Garen for not making the playoffs this year. I think if they're bottom of the league this year and they don't show improvement next year, he could go in the middle of the season, but I don't, I would be surprised just because like in the middle of next season, then it's kind of like, okay, we're going to have the money to spend. We want a new guy spending that money. So I could see this happening in the middle of next year, maybe, but I don't think he's going anywhere this year. Yeah. In our last few minutes here, uh, I'm not exactly sure how to put this, but what, what are you hoping from the rest of the season? Like you said, you're talking about, you know, development of uh, Rossi and yep. um, yeah. So I mean, is this, is this basically called the minor leaguers? See what they got or. Yeah, I mean, it's again, it's tough to do that because they're stuck with so many old guys like, right, right. on yeah. on contracts that they and the and because of the cap, they won't they can't release them, they can't send them to the minors, they can't trade them because they have no new yep. classes. So a lot of spots are stuck. So yeah, I mean, mostly for me, it's looking at the young guys who are already here. I, I hope to see Baldy get out of his funk and and produce again. I hope to see Rossi keep. Progressing, I hope to see Faber keep progressing. I hope to see Kirill figure it out a little bit and get back on track. I don't know you can like rest him much, but uh... right, and that's yeah, absolutely, you absolutely can, right? Unless I mean, unless you really want to tank, but yeah, it's like I'm, so. Mostly, I'm looking at the guys who are on the roster right now because they're they have young, you know, they have their their prospects. They're, they're full of prospects, but a lot of them they can't put on the roster yet because mm. there's they have spots that are they're stuck with. With the other guys, right? Yeah, I think finding defensive pairings that work, right? Because if if Middleton's around for another couple of years, like he's got to get right. They got to find somebody that he can play with. As Brodine and Spurgeon get older and slow down, like who who's the best pair for them to work right. with? Yep. Right. Because if it's, you know, if it's Favor and Brodine, like that's not a bad pair in theory, but do they work together? Like all that, you know, you just got to. You got to try that stuff. And so hopefully you have somebody who can mix those lines and find that, that chemistry that, that works going forward. Cause yeah, it's gotta be, I, I think you, you focus on, on, on next year and the year after. I don't, I don't think you're really looking to get too much out of this year. Yeah, totally agree. Yep. Well, I think we were able to wrap that up on, you know, half of a positive note, at least. Stay tuned for when we talk about the wolves. Just kidding. Probably won't talk about the wolves, but we should. The wolves are awesome. Yes, that's uh, that's yeah. Let's keep things on the Minneapolis downtown side this winter and uh, keep watching them. So anyway, it's uh, been great talking to you guys. Uh, we will see how things unfold 
and uh, we should hopefully be back to you soon. We would love to talk about the twins. Uh, we'll we'll find whatever rock uh, Nimbus is hiding under and drag him out. And uh, yeah, so go Wolves, Nasreed. And um, it's been great talking to you, and we will see everyone next time. Bye. See ya. Yeah! Cha-ching!